0: Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to another episode of Boom Lawyered, a Rewired News Group podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that was right all along. This court is illegitimate. I'm Rewired
1: News Group's editor at large, Imani Gandhi. And I'm Jess Piccolo, Rewired News Group's executive editor. Rewire News Group is the one and only home for expert repro journalism that inspires you to love on your queer friends a little extra this week, and the Boom Laura Podcast is part of that mission. So a big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners and viewers. Well, Jess. <laughs> Listen.
0: We had a whole thing planned. We were gonna talk about the women of the court. It was like a whole it was gonna be a great episode. And then so good. on Saturday, for some reason, the New York Times dropped this. Bombshell of a piece by Jody Cantor and Joe Becker that alleges that the Dobbs opinion, remember that Dobbs Mm -hmm. opinion that was leaked about a month and a half before the the ruling was issued? Mm -hmm. That wasn't the first leak. That was not the first leak from this court when it comes to reproductive rights.
1: I mean, yep. What a weekend. Apparently, a former evangelical minister by the name of Rob Sheck allegedly wrote a letter to Chief Justice John Roberts following that May leak of the Dobbs decision to say, oh, hey, guess what, Chief? Justice Sam Alito, he previously leaked to me the 2014 Hobby Lobby decision, and he leaked it to other high-profile conservative donors way back in 2014.
0: I just, so for those of you who don't recall, Hobby Lobby, first of all, Hobby Lobby, I feel like was just in my first big case together. Oh, it like totally back in 2014, was. 2014, right? Like, I, th- I feel like we really bonded over that case. I mean, I remember where I was when the case came down and everything, right? Oh, yeah. So it was this case where evangelical business owners, right, this craft shop, claimed a religious objection to the birth control benefit in the ACA. Mm -hmm. The birth control benefit was that provision that said, hey, if you're an employer over this number of many employees, you have to provide birth control coverage in the insurance plans that you offer your employees as part of their benefits, right? As part of their employee benefits. So this is the case. Hobby Lobby was the case that would ultimately create this huge opening for businesses to try to refuse to comply with civil rights laws generally just across the board.
1: It's wild. And listeners and viewers, I mean, go to the Wayback Machine. We had an entire podcast called RJ Court Watch that was more or less dedicated to covering the Hobby Lobby cases because at the time it were such a big deal. And wow. So the allegations in the New York Times piece are absolutely extraordinary. And they totally paint this picture of Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas as just, I don't know, Amani straight-up partisan operatives on the court. It's yeah. wild. And What's not wild and what's really dangerous about it is they are operatives, though, who are helping the court craft policy.
0: Yeah, and not just policy, but policy that affects the rights of some of the most marginalized, oppressed, and given yesterday's attack in Colorado, under siege by terrorists. Like, these are the people that rely on the court for their civil rights. And what we're seeing is that it's just all partisan. So that's what we're going to talk about today.
1: Mm -hmm. Just how corrupt is Sam Alito? And can anything be done about it? All right, let's get into this. Because as we've said, that New York Times piece is stunning. And as Imani pointed out, confirms what we've been saying on this podcast for years, literally years. (sighs) Conservatives are using the Supreme Court to make anti-democratic policy and Imani they've got a friend in Sam Alito.
0: I mean are we doing the, the Randy Newman thing? Or Poor Randy Newman.
1: <laughs> you got a friend in Sam. I feel like I feel like you this got is a not- corrupt
0: guy in Sam. He's corrupt and he's on the bench and he's not gonna take no shit from any liberals. I don't know where I'm going with this but <laughs>
1: I'll I'll workshop it.
0: I'll come out with like a a
1: SoundCloud. (laughs) So let's get into this because maybe maybe not everybody saw the New York Times piece. So the bulk of these allegations came in a letter that Schenck sent to Roberts that claims back in 2014, Alito was serving as basically the inside guy for evangelical operatives that were looking to shape some policy, including creating corporate religious rights. It also highly suggests the Alito leaked the Dobbs opinion, which, mm. wild. Okay, and so far, Roberts has not responded to, apparently, the letter at all, even though he promised a thorough investigation into the Dobbs leak. Hasn't responded to any of the allegations. Sam Alito sent a, like, I'm very mad that this came out. And boy, I didn't think anybody was trying to influence anybody when yeah, I was I having that- dinner. I think when the the
0: Dobbs opinion leaked, he said it was a grave betrayal of trust. Bitch, are you serious?
1: <laughs> like, I almost did a really running? inappropriate motion. I remember that we're on video, and I can't do a wanking <laughs> okay. motion. We all know what it was, <laughs> but insert wanking motion gif here. Yeah,
0: I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm not ashamed. I don't care. <laughs> but like the allegations are really shocking. I mean, yeah. we're talking. Rob Shank is a guy who, you know, runs like a huge nonprofit, huge conservative nonprofit and he was looking for donors. He was actually trying to cultivate the owner of Hobby Lobby who was whinging mm-hmm. about how, you know, he that his religious freedom prevented him providing birth control. He was trying to cultivate these people as donors. And so he launched an operation that he called Operation Higher Court. Like it wasn't just like some little thing that he was doing on the side. There was an operational title. Operation Higher Court. He purchased a building across from the Supreme Court. And this is what it says in the Times article. So he could start working the employees, right? Like he would pick out people that he was trying to just ingratiate himself to in order to work them over and get information, right? He would do things like, remember back in 2014 when you were a, a, just a young, burgeoning Supreme Court reporter, and you had to go and fly to D.C., and we had to try and get you seats in the room so that you could report. This bitch was just getting (laughs) (laughs) coveted oral argument seats just by asking... Just calling up his friends, Sam and Nino and Clarence, and saying, Hey, man, can Nino, Antonin Scalia, hey, can we get some of those super sweet box VIP suites in the Supreme Court? During the Hobby Lobby case, like they were, they were just on the front lines at all times. And it's just, it's shocking to me. That one of Sam Alito's claims is that, oh, no, I was friends with the Shanks and this donor, this huge donor couple called the Wrights, G- mm-hmm. Gail and Donald Wright, I believe their names are. Oh, we they were just supporting us for our Supreme Court Historical Society. It was all very innocent. There were no shenanigans going on. Meanwhile, it was shenanigans top to
1: bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Shenanigans, but kind of like mundane shenanigans in some ways too, right? Like, let's just be out there in the open taking meetings with these operatives. Like, let's just like shoot a couple emails. Oh, but let's keep the details out of the emails, right? Let's just do that. It's Amani and I were prepping for the podcast and talking about how this is kind of like the Pelican Brief. Like, we're living in a John Grisham novel. We
0: absolutely are. And here's a funny thing about those emails, right? She's claiming that she couldn't send an email about this super secret information that she had because it Mm -hmm. was too sensitive. But she had no problem sending emails about how amazing it was that she was getting these awesome seats at the Supreme Court. So I'm supposed to believe that she refuses to send any emails about the fact that she maybe fell ill at a dinner, which is what she claimed that these emails were about, right? She claimed... That the subject of the email that she couldn't talk about over email was the fact that she got sick. Meanwhile, she's sending emails about the Supreme Court directly. I mean, none of this makes sense. It's just lies. And it's like it's as you said, mundane, bad,
1: mundane lies. I mean, these people challenged mask policies. She's not worried about an email getting sick. Right, <laughs> like, right. Like, you know, it's it's wild. So we've got Sam Alito, Clarence Thomas taking meetings with these folks. Alito allegedly then goes and leaks the Hobby Lobby opinion to Shanks weeks before it's released, right? This is that information we're assuming that they're all excited about. And then Shanks uses that leaked opinion to prepare an entire public relations. Campaign, including tipping off the owners of the Hobby Lobby of Hobby Lobby themselves, which that's not how any of this is supposed to work, folks. So corrupt It is so, so
0: corrupt. corrupt. So Jess, like, yeah. Who is this Shank guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. apparently he was so ingratiated with the conservative movement that he was engaging in unethical shenanigans. I mean, we can say they're unethical, even though the Supreme yeah. Court isn't bound by any code of ethics. It's unethical. But now, suddenly, he's had a change of heart. He's turned mm-hmm. whistleblower. Mm-hmm. What is the—can we trust these allegations? Can we trust this man?
1: Yeah, uh, excellent question, and I think so. You know, the the headline in the New York Times piece was uh, that Alito had leaked the uh, opinion to an anti-abortion operative, but Schenk is way more than that. He's a former evangelical minister who was heavily involved in Christian nationalism versus the Assembly of God folks, and people. These are not. People with our democracy's best intentions at heart at all. He has a long history of anti-abortion activism and ties in the 1980s to the Army of God. Also, really not good folks. These are the most violent, dangerous uh, arm of the anti-abortion movement. He's co-founder of Operation Rescue with our friend Randall Terry. Not good. Okay, but it, it it gets worse. Like this oh, is wow. how ingratiated into conservative politics Shank is. He's the former preacher to John Ashcroft. Do you oh, remember God. John Ashcroft? What was that song? What was on that On <laughs> <In> eagle's wings. On eagle's <laughs> wings. <laughs> With Oren Hatch, I believe. <laughs> Why? Look Orrin it up. Hatch. Google it. <laughs> Google it. Yeah, There's Google a YouTube video. Wing.
0: YouTube it. Watch it, and then just. Cry, Thank us sad. later,
1: but but so Shenk was a preacher to Ashcroft when Ashcroft was a senator and also attorney general under the Bush administration, like actively steering policy under the Bush administration. So we have every reason to think that he had amassed the kind of access described in the New York Times piece. We also have a reason to think, or at least take him at his word, that he's had a change of heart. I mean, NPR did a big profile on him. He's come out and said that, you know, yeah, he did all this anti-abortion activism, but he's really understands the harm that that does now. I mean, I don't know. Take it with a grain of salt. But he seems to be a whistleblower on Christian nationalist groups working behind the scenes in Republican circles, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, the New York Times paints a picture, like a very vivid picture of a yeah. man who feels bad.
1: And while I wish
0: he'd have felt bad before he started doing all of this stuff, did you know that he was one of the people that was um, paying maybe Norma, Norma McCorvey, who came yeah. out and said that she'd basically been paid by all these anti-choice organizations to mm-hmm. give these speeches? He was one of those dudes. He was one of those guys. So it's a pretty big deal if a guy that entrenched in the anti-choice yeah. movement it's coming out and saying, yo, I did some stuff that was really messed up, including taking, you know, leaked opinions from the Supreme Court so I could do PR pushes to affect, like the, to affect public opinion on something as seminal as the rights of people with uteruses to take birth control. I mean, it's wild to me. It's wild to me. But I'm glad he came out. I'm glad he came out because, hey, maybe something will happen because of this. Right. I don't know. I don't know. It all seems bad, though. All the more reason why John Roberts probably should have
1: done something. I don't I mean, know. Was he ever really gonna do anything, or was yeah? No. I mean, come on. I don't. Think so. <laughs> I mean, and you know, that's kind of that's kind of like my next point, right? Like, yeah, the reaction over the weekend and especially um, on Twitter was wild because this is bad. Like, the reporting is great, but the picture that it paints of the court is terrible. But again, confirmation that the court is literally just a straight up political actor under John Roberts. Like, I think it was Ellie Mistal had a piece that was, you know, John Roberts is one of the top Republican operatives and correct. I mean, it is impossible to claim that the court is anything but a captured arm of the Republican Party at this point and even its most violent and dangerous elements if folks like Schenck have that kind of access. They're the mob. It sounds like they're the mob,
0: right? Like Sam Alito's taken meetings at his daughter's wedding. (laughs) Kind of mob. It's also really depressing as a lawyer, as someone who chose this career and as someone who left private practice to focus on the Supreme Court and on constitutional law. Mm -hmm. And as someone who believed, I mean, I've talked about this before. There used to be a time where I believed that even if a conservative opinion were to come out, There was something in there that was grounded in law, and it was just lawyers doing what lawyers do, which is taking an issue and finding and arguing both sides and picking one side over the other. It was generally good enough faith. It wasn't a great faith, but it was Mm -hmm. good enough. Now, I don't see any good faith in anything that's happened in the last decade. No. In the last decade, probably starting with, well, starting with Citizens United, really. Mm-hmm. But like Shelby v Holder was really the nail in the coffin that allowed all of the rest of this shit to happen. Because yeah. when we don't have a Voting Rights Act, Black people can't vote and just, you know, save democracy, which is what we're always asked to do. And then we're always criticized because we don't show up enough. It's very frustrating. I just, what else is this affected? Do we even well, know? Well, that's that's
1: the question. Like, so, you know, we know that there was this ma- massive leak in um, the Dobbs case last May, uh, overturning Roe versus Wade. We now know that there was also a leak, although not uh, public to the same extent, in Hobby Lobby. We know Sam Alito's fingerprints are all over that. What else has he been involved in? I mean, we have the case ta- or the court taking up a couple cases here, right? The the uh, case to upend public union. That's one where we saw campaign after campaign of conservative operatives basically taking cues from Sam Alito's opinions on what the next opinion and what the next legal challenge should be. We just got done talking about the affirmative action cases. Yeah. What, was he, what was he doing behind the scenes with those, right? We have lots of questions. And I mean, so far this season, we focused on the conservative legal movement's crusade to upend progressive precedent, right? Like that's really what they are doing. And at this point, I think we can assume that Sam Alito's behind all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's pretty so, accurate. I got a question for you though, Amani. Yeah. Do you think Alita leaked Dobbs?
0: 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. percent I mean, at the time, I thought it was a conservative. I remember yeah. we, you know, when we did our podcast on the leak. We were we, on it. We <laughs> were like, I mean, they were trying to make it sound like, oh, it was a liberal who's upset and is trying to sway votes. First of no. all, why would the three of them think that that would have been a good idea? Second of all, two of those three liberals at the time were women Women already are under a microscope in these kinds of spaces. There is, not a, there is no way in God's green earth that one of the clerks of one of the liberal women justices would have done something like this. It's just right. not anything that would have ever happened. And Stephen Breyer would have had no reason to do it because he had KBJ on deck. Right. So, right. The, I mean, what, what the opinion did is it sort of set the stage for what came, Yes, And fortunately, I was wrong. I thought it was going to be a situation where what came would have been, um, the response to what came would have been muted because Mm -hmm. people would have had a month and a half to get used to it. But as we saw with the midterms, that didn't happen. People were pissed and people stayed pissed and people voted on how pissed they were. So I'm glad that
1: didn't happen. But what are we supposed to do about this? Yeah, I mean... I don't know. Back when the Dobbs opinion was was leaked, one of the things that we talked about was, you know, okay, leave the liberals alone. They're the only people on the court with any ethics, so they would not have done this. Why would conservatives leak the opinion? Well, maybe to put some pressure on John Roberts to keep him locked in, in the event that he was feeling swayed, right? We were talking about the coward's compromise at the Mm -hmm. time, that he was going to try and craft in Dobbs that would have upheld Mississippi's 15-week ban, but not gone so far as completely overturning precedent. And so even in that Dobbs leak, we see the machinations of a PR campaign like what was described with the outcome of Hobby Lobby. So this is just, it's a failed institution.
0: Absolutely. And Roberts' opinion in Dobbs sort of gives credence to that theory, right? Because he It totally this, does. He, I mean, he if he had had his way, it would have gone a different way, yes. right? And so yes. the ways in which this is about writing opinions, leaking opinions meant to put pressure on the other justices rather than doing what you're supposed to do and conferring with them and hammering it out and writing opinions and sharing opinions. That's why you know when we talk about diversifying the courts, that's what we mean, not just diversity of skin color or religion or career background, but a diversity of thought. Mm -hmm. We don't have a diversity of thought. We've got six people who think pretty much the same way One's kind of in and out. Roberts will be in and out. And then we've got three people who generally believe that we should uphold human rights and civil rights. Mm -hmm. And then they'll disagree on other stuff like maritime law or subject matter jurisdiction. You know, people always say, well, it doesn't matter having that many liberals on the court because the liberals vote with the conservatives so many times. Take a look at the cases that the liberals are voting with the conservatives on. Right. It's on stuff you don't even care about. Like That's maritime probably. law. Sorry to truly the sailors that are listening
1: to this podcast. <laughs> Love you, sailors. Your law's a little dry. Yeah. See what I did bit. there? Yeah. <laughs> nice one. Nice pun. <laughs> okay. But truly, Amani, what, if anything, can be done about Sam Alito? Impeach the bastard. Because,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look. I am on record online, like, anytime anyone brings up impeaching anybody, I'm like, let's just calm down. Like, no justices are getting impeached. People wanted to impeach Brett Kavanaugh for lying. People people want to impeach everybody who's a conservative for lying about Roe under oath. And I'm always like, y'all, that's just never going to happen. There's no political will for it. Democrats aren't going to do it. And frankly, the last Supreme Court justice to be impeached, Mm -hmm. 1805. 1805, a man, uh, Associate Justice Samuel Chase was impeached and then acquitted in the Senate.
1: Oh, so they even acquitted him. They impeached him, but were like,
0: oh, our bad, sorry. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so there's literally no precedent for impeaching and removing a Supreme Court justice for bad behavior. And that's really all we can do is just call it bad behavior because the Supreme Court justices have no code of ethics that governs them. And that is shocking to me. Every other lawyer, every other judge in the country is bound by a code of ethics. And if you if you stray from that code, you can have your license yanked. You could be disbarred. Somehow, when you ascend to the highest court in the land, the land that is like the, the court that is the last word when it comes to the law, constitutional law, they're not bound by any code of judicial ethics at all such that we have Sam Alito leaking opinions or Ginny Thomas having access to Clarence Thomas's listserv of clerks so that she can spread her nonsense about the big lie. It's just, it would be an extreme position for Senate Democrats to take. And the fact that they've already launched an investigation in the Senate Judiciary Committee is a very good sign. Yes. Particularly because now Democrats have the Senate. Let's do this. It would be extreme, but it has to be done. Because if it's not done, you might as well just, you might as well just give up on democracy entirely, literally, because there's nothing that's going to get by this court that is going to help people. It's all going to help big business and it's, well, it's going to help some people. It's going to help white, cishet people. It'll help Christian, evangelical people. It's not going to help you or me. It's not going to help black and brown people. It's not going to help indigenous people whose tribes are being torn asunder. I can't.
1: Yeah. Since the New York Times piece has been released, there have been calls on Congress to investigate, and the Senate Judiciary Committee says that it intends to do so. So, Senator Whitehouse, call us. We have some ideas for some whiteboards. (laughs) Yes. going to be great.
0: Also, I think Senator Whitehouse would be interested in the fact that, you know, we've just come off the heels of a couple of weeks of these justices going and making their appearances at various Federalist Society dinners and conferences, yep. literally getting up to the podium at podium, excuse me, and slagging off legal journalists right. who are trying to hold them to account, right? Yep. People like Jay Willis of Balls and Strikes, uh-huh. Ellie Mostall of the Nation, Mark Joseph Stern over at yep. Slate. Dalia Lithwick, uh, Dalia Lithwick, over at Slate. They're calling journalists out by their names. Yes, and we know in this political climate that is a dangerous thing to do. But they're just yucking it up because they know that they
1: have no consequences. So there has to be consequences for this. Yes. So okay, agreed completely. I also have maybe a slightly contrarian take on a little bit of this. I love your contrarian takes. Let's hear it. Imani, what if SCOTUS leaks are good, actually?
0: I mean, it depends on who you're leaking to, right? <laughs> right? Like, <It> <laughs> a, leak to, if they want to leak, listen, Sam Alito, if you want to leak your opinions to Jessica Mason Peklo and Imani Gandhi of the Boom Lawyer podcast, we will happily take them. But
1: leaking them to, you know, Johnny Asshole Anti-Choicer... I know. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. Um, okay. With the Dobbs decision, you know, we were both surprised at the fact that um, it didn't quite have the intended, what we assume was the intended effect, which was to sort of tamp down reaction in time for the midterms. The fact that the Senate Judiciary Committee is going to be able to in- have any kind of hearings about this at all is proof positive that the Dobbs leak did not have that intended effect. The midterm mm-hmm. elections went well for 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 progressives and Democrats, and all of the exit polling suggests that Dobbs was a hugely motivating factor. Ellie Mistal is great at talking about how the Supreme Court justices operate like a bunch of wizards, unaccountable <laughs> right. to nobody. Right. And so what if we see some of this as a way to help make the case for court reform? We spent I the last see. podcast talking about the fact that really there is not a progressive policy that is going to survive unless we do something about the political capture of the court. Yep. What if SCOTUS okay. leaks are one way to get there?
0: I see what you're saying. I okay. I all right. I'm on board for that. I'm on whatever whatever makes this institution more legitimate, I'm for. Yes. So if it takes being illegitimate to get to a state of legitimacy, then let's do it. Maybe that's I mean, what we need. Because the one thing that they definitely need is they need a code of ethics. Yes. Like it's just it's it's ridiculous that the court is just basically a loose coalition of mobsters. You know, who are all who are beholden to no one, not yeah. even the Constitution, right because they pick and choose what they like about it. So
1: they need nice to democracy benefits. you got going on there. It'd be a shame if anything happened to it.
0: Seriously. And and, and happened to by people who aren't accountable to anyone but themselves. That can't be right. You cannot get a lifetime appointment and then be unaccountable to anyone.
1: Mm.
0: How does that work? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good question. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens next, right? Because, you know, Sam Alito's out here saying, wasn't me, wasn't me. He's, all, he's shaggy. He's just I was shaggy just going to say,
1: <laughs> I literally immediately went to shaggy.
0: <laughs> and so I'm hoping that they got the goods on him. I mean, if Shank is as serious as he seems to be and he's got receipts. Yeah, let's see him. Senator Whitehouse. Let's see him. Give Shank a call. Ooh, Senator Whitehouse and his whiteboards. Um, we, we need to get Senator Whitehouse on the pod. <laughs> yes. How do we do that?
1: <laughs> call us, Come children. on the podcast, Please. Senator Whitehouse. Yes. Thank you. Whew, well, that was a lot.
0: I mean, <laughs> this is going into Thanksgiving. This is going to be an interesting week to see what happens. Um, if you want to talk to us about any of this stuff, we are here for you. We are. We really are. I'm at Angry Black Lady on Twitter. Jess is at Hegemony. H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. You got to do the little shimmy when you do it. Mm-hmm. Shimmy, shimmy. Um, you should follow Rewire News Group on Twitter for as long as Twitter exists. <laughs> you should follow Rewire News Group also on Instagram. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And on YouTube, where you can get notifications for when our podcast goes live. If you don't want to look at our faces, we get it. We're too cute for some people. We understand. You can listen to our podcast just right in your ears. Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, all of these places that you normally get your podcasts. And I guess that's it. Happy Thanksgiving, right? We would love to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Maybe around the dinner table, talk about Sam Alito. Maybe carve your turkey into a likeness of Sam Alito.
1: We will not be doing that at the Hegemony household. No, we won't. For the record.
0: We will. Okay, fine. (laughs) Can I bring a roasted duck in the shape of Sam Alito?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: (laughs) All right. Anyway, thanks for listening. And what are we going to do?
1: We'll see you on the tubes, folks. See you
0: on the tubes, folks.